welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, up there. Can you hear me up in the balcony? Yeah. Oh, that's great. What a crowd. Fantastic. See, now, if I were Trump, I'd say 30,000 people here. Holy cow. There's, there's 12. Yeah. Well, it's interesting yeah. you should say Trump because I look at you, and boy, I definitely don't see Donald Trump. Thank because, you. Megan, if you look at Jerry, yes. there seems to be he has a different look. There's Something's different. <laughs> Something I don't know what it different. is. Something's I, I can't put different. my finger on it. But he yeah. looks cleaner. He's, something's different. <laughs> oh, a little less, little less orange uh, tinted. Has something happened? <laughs> I was cleansed yesterday. <gasps> oh. oh, well, tell us about that. Well, what it's, does that it's, mean? I, well, we already it, talked about that. It's, it's it, in my faith. It's the Jewish holiday of oh. Yom Kippur, Got and we it. go and we confess. You know, Catholics do it in every Sunday. We do it one day a year. So I'm there, and you know, I. I need to be there, and uh, I'm, I'm confessing all day. And, and then the service is coming to an end, and I get up to leave. And the rabbi in front of everyone says, not so fast, Springer. you got to stay longer. <laughs> really? <laughs> get back here, it sir. You're not done yet. It seem right. <laughs> yeah. In all honesty, yeah. though, I think he may have had a point. Yeah, but then I said, well, with my show, don't you listen to the final thought? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't help. That's so you atoned. <laughs> Did I atone? You atoned. Some of the stuff you've said to Megan or about me and about Megan, did you atone for that? Yeah. Is that that is locker room talk. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. It's atonement. Yeah. Hey, by the way, we have a big announcement tonight. By we the way, do. why don't you make it? Yes. We have our podcast. By the way, congratulations, guys. Yeah. Um, our podcast has been picked up by Westwood One. That's a big deal. Westwood That's big One. Deal. Westwood One. Yes. That's a, it is a giant. Wow. Yes. That really is. That that's the first really great news in terms of our well, yeah. That, they're a big company. The Cumulus part of Cumulus oh, Radio. Yeah, their the radio empire is huge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now they've gotten into the podcast world, and they've picked up a few podcasts, and uh, so now we're part of it. And nice work. So they hey, could I very ask a uh, maybe it's more than a favor. I, I don't yeah. know how to say this because you're the boss of this operation. But <laughs> yeah, let me just put it to you straight. <laughs> yeah, how? What? You now that we're part of Westwood One, yes. you must what? stop telling the lame ass joke that you Thank tell you. every well, week. <laughs> Thank you. No, you However, must because I, Jerry, they I won't tolerate that level jokes. of amateurishness. My, my wife Mickey's in the audience here. <laughs> Sorry, Mickey. Well, Mickey and her twin twin sister, Tony. Tony, I don't know which one is which. No, which one? One of them is Mick. One of them is my wife. The other is Mickey's. Her twin sister. Mickey's in blue. She raised her hand. Okay, that's my wife. Good, good. I told him to say something stupid, and whoever rolled their eyes first was going to be Mickey. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good, Megan. She won. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for stopping the. T- I know you were going for the world record and telling the joke more than it's ever been I told never, before. I don't but anyway, thank you for not, not doing that. Not Ooh, I saw you talking to an elderly guy when oh we came yeah, in. Yeah, as I was walking in, th- <laughs> yeah. this is true. I didn't uh, know what that was Gene all Galvin. about. I yeah, <laughs> it was that older gentleman, and mm-hmm. where he was talking about, he has this new hearing aid. Mm-hmm. Really. And, and he says to me, this is you. the finest hearing aid money can buy. Yeah. And, and I said, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. 
I say That's it every single week. If you keep <clears throat> laughing, he well, will wait. keep saying You people jokes. are here every week. Why are you still <laughs> laughing? It's not funny. It's not. It wasn't funny the first time. It really uh, wasn't. Really? You think they're just being polite? I think they're being very polite. <laughs> But you, Mr. Galvin, those in glass houses, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, uh, one time some years ago, I ran for political office in a very conservative county on the east side of Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Claremont County. Claremont County, for people who are from this area, and most of our listeners aren't, of course. But So uh, I ran for office, and I got my butt kicked royally, lost like 60 or 40. I, got, I had the 40%. And, you know, one day my daughter... She was in the third grade. Now she's a grown woman, has mm-hmm. uh, a family. She has. Yeah, Lindsay. Story. But anyway. And uh, so one day my daughter came home and she said, All oh, excited, Dad, I'm going to run for uh, student council, oh, cool. the representative for the third grade to the elementary school. And I, and I said, Oh, that's great, Lindsay. That's great. And she left the room and I sat Bonnie down. I said, This is not going to go well because Galvin's cannot win in Claremont County. We're Democrats. She will get her butt kicked royally. What do we do? How do we tell her that? And, you know, it's a third-grade kid. You don't want to break their spirit. She goes to work. God bless my daughter, uh, my wife, Bonnie, who's in the audience, my first wife, Bonnie, sitting over there. Hello, Bonnie. And so she, uh, <laughs> she went to work, and Bonnie does her thing. You know, all the signs are in glitter, you know, Heck Megan, yeah. all that As stuff. As you do. And little handouts. Yep. And she worked, and she worked, and she worked, and she won the election. Yay. Well, what does I, that say about you? What does that say about me? <laughs> yeah. So obviously, Claremont County would vote for yeah. a the right gal for the right gal <laughs> the right gal i wrote a column at the time and i wrote a column about for that about how galvin couldn't win and she did it it was kind of interesting but there was there was a guy at the time who was a state rep named sam bateman a republican conservative staunchly conservative and he gave her uh, some sort of certificate i guess from the ohio state see? legislature see you so there is a galvin who can win and there also apparently is a republican who can be nice that's right yeah. no i'm sorry i'm just kidding that's right just kidding. and uh um, love having you here and megan <laughs> you all you have you're different from us you're uh unattached professional woman you date you're enjoying a dating life yep and you use um Dating sites. I think you use blessedvirgin.com yes, or something, exactly. or one of them. I don't know which one it is. That's it's pretty accurate. Yeah, that is one. That, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. We'll just go with that. Anyway, and farmer's daughter. And farm. It's farmers only. I swear. Oh, farmers to only. <laughs> farmers daughter. Anyway, you were telling us that you had an experience. I did. You, you got, got a, a date with a guy. Uh-huh. Hey, yeah, tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, a couple it ended. weeks ago. Uh, well, we had, we had actually talked to him, but a uh, super nice guy. So this was. Quite unusual, actually. So we went out. We had a very nice time. We went to dinner. Yes. Um, and we actually went out again the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, met, like, in the afternoon. Went downtown, went shopping, and just really had a nice time. Um, and so that was a Saturday and a Sunday. And on Monday evening, um, I got a phone call from him. Ooh. And he said, hey. Good. Yeah, I know. Everything's on the up and up. But he said, hey, you know, how's it going? Everything? Yep. Okay. So really enjoyed meeting you. Really enjoyed hanging out with you. Um, had a great time. I think you're a smart woman, attractive woman. Um, but I didn't really... I didn't, I didn't feel any chemistry there, did you? And I was so relieved because I didn't. And he was a super, super nice guy, right? But, yeah. Yeah. oh, my God, it restored my faith in people. Like, this guy had, had the 
cojones to you know pick yeah. up the phone yeah. and say, say yeah you know respect respectable sweet so that's that's my story that's, that's, that's <laughs> good. it was nice and we parted ways and we you know he's he's a, from a, a local-ish area yeah. Yeah. so he said you know good luck to you and, and i guess that speaks well for uh, the catholic uh, dating sites it does it does for all those religious dating sites yeah. it sure does and he, and he didn't slam me up against the wall and try to kiss you. <laughs> he, did not. he did not, no. Yeah. I was in no way so attacked. So untrumpian. <laughs> the other day I was, I was watching, uh, <laughs> flipping around watching movies, and the Austin Power movie came on. And Which you know one? Who, well, it's the one that, guess who's in it? I didn't know you were in one. The Spy Who Shagged Me. Are you really? In, I've seen that yeah. movie. You're in, when? Where are you in it? Yeah, oh, tell no, us about actually that. It, yeah, we have the big fight scene where he throws me through the window. <laughs> I have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's where they he has um, the people on our show, and you're <laughs> and he gets and then he gets angry and he starts fighting with me and we go through the window and he's yelling, "He bit my leg!" He bit my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do your own stunts? Did it with Mike Myers and I. You know the term is thrown around too easily in show business, but he is almost a genius in terms of his talents because mm -hmm. he writes the he wrote the wonderful series austin powers he directs it he acts in it i mean he is a comedian of great great mm -hmm. great talent and i want to be friendly with him now because he lives in he's canadian right so you <laughs> you might <laughs> we might should all place. try to find one canadian friend yeah <laughs> Just Jerry claims mike myers so yeah well we said it last week i think that uh all the people that are threatening if Trump wins to, you know, go to Canada, that Canada has now announced that it's going to build a wall and make America pay for it. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see that. Hey, uh, Megan, hey, and Jean. we're going to draw Jerry into this too, big Hi. time, because okay. so much has happened in the last few days. Yeah. I wanted to get your, well, both Jerry and I were talking about this driving over here, to get your perspective as a woman, uh, on the events of the last couple days. Mm -hmm. the, and of course, I'm talking about the tape that came out with Billy Bush, right. uh, in which Donald Trump described things that he does to women, that mm -hmm. he has done to mm -hmm. women, and the great license that he feels he can take because he's a celebrity. Yep. Then women, then denying it in the Sunday debate, and in the last debate, was that on a Sunday? Mm. Yes. I guess it was. And then uh, saying, no, I didn't really do any of that. That was all just locker room talk. And then women watching the debate mm -hmm. said, well, that's actually not true. You did right. it to me. And up to four, and who knows right. if more will come. Right. So what's your take on all of that as a woman? And then we'll draw Jerry in because he's got some analysis of it as well from his perspective. But yep. what do you think? I mean, in all honesty, the fact that that man has daughters and can say things like that to me, just it, it just turns your stomach. And I, I, I listen to... Uh, Michelle Obama speak today, and I heard part of that, and I think she probably summed it up the best, honestly. It was she so spoke good. today, and honestly, I haven't heard a better speech. Yep, I agree. And I don't know how long. I agree. And look how great a speaker her husband is. Yep. That was the finest speech, the most human, the mm -hmm. most, you know, how can anyone listen to that and disagree with anything she said? And it was so heartfelt. Yep. And for those of us who aren't women, uh, Boy, it really makes you think. Things we just take for granted, we don't think of, you know, whether it's a construction worker whistling at a woman walking by and all that. What women live with every single day, always thinking that someone is judging the way they look, 
what, what, it's, well, it's in, in all honesty, that's some stuff like just in the past few days on the internet, you'll, you'll you see it more and more, and you, you read the articles about all the precautions, all the things that women do in their daily lives, and you don't even think about it anymore. I don't walk to my car without like my keys in my hand, just in, like I don't I don't park in dark places. I don't if I get pulled over, I'm still going. To, I you know I'll even signal a cop to get to where a light is. Like there are just things that as women were taught, and part of it is personal responsibility. Men need to be aware too, but. We are taught this, these extra levels of, of precaution from dangerous things that in, in very life-threatening ways. But then you hear somebody who's running for the highest office in the land saying that this type of behavior, not that he's violent, I'm not saying that, but this kind of forcible, just macho behavior is acceptable and it's cool and that that's something that, that we should just be okay with because it was locker room talk. I think it's dis- it really just it was disgusting to me. It was so disgusting. It, uh- let me tell you, because I am around as much foul language as it's anybody because of my job. <laughs> yeah. And, and that so is the true. truth. 26 years, I've heard every word. Mm-hmm. Okay? Multiple times, I'm sure. <laughs> and, you know, even being a guy in locker rooms and stuff like that, what he's describing, I've never, ever heard stuff like that. I've heard dirty jokes. But I've never heard a guy say to me, well, you grab a woman by you-know-what, and you do that, and you do... What? I mean, so let's not just pass it off as, gee, that's what guys talk... Guys will tell jokes. And, And I credit you with, years ago, making me aware, even though I think I was aware, but it wasn't about that, it was about racial jokes. And not because we were telling racial jokes, but somehow that we were in a discussion about it. And Gene said to me that when he's in a group and one of them is telling a racial joke, he doesn't let it pass. He says, I'm not comfortable with this and walks away. And I thought, wow, because that's how I felt. But I I wasn't sure if I, I couldn't go back and say every time I heard someone give a racist joke or an ethnic joke or joke about Jews or whatever, you know that I walked away from it. And that kind of, that is the response that, that we ought to have. Because when you start telling these kind of jokes, even in locker room talk, what that says, and it is with a racial joke, a gender joke, whatever it is, you are at some level admitting that you think that person or that group is a little less than you. You know, no one would make a disparaging joke about a Nobel Prize winner or whatever. You know, it's always some other group. It's always some other religion, some other, you know, the quote, the Polish jokes or whatever. It's because at some level, we connect and say, wow, that person, that group may be a little bit less. There may not be an evil bone in your body. But here's what happens. When young people growing up telling these jokes, they get to believe that that group is a little less. And they won't do anything bad to that group. But when times turn tough and we start having policies or restrictions against some of these groups, it's a little easier to tolerate. So if you tell enough jokes, let's say in the 1930s, if you told enough jokes about African-Americans and all this, and using the N-word, and this, that, and the other, then if there suddenly was some legislation passed and say, well, we're not going to do the food stamps anymore, we're not going to worry about the housing, it's a little 
easier to kind of accept because at some subconscious level you think, well, you know, they're, they're a little bit less, it, it's okay. That's how discrimination turns into racism. It starts with the jokes. It's why we have to teach our kids from day one. You don't ever tell an ethnic joke. You don't tell a racial joke. It's not funny because you build in an acceptance of judging a group, not based on anything a person did, but just because they're a member of that group as being something less. That is what is, and, and you know, and, and you, you I, rem I vividly remember where we were when you were talking about that. We were having dinner one night, and that's a great point. Don't let your kids make jokes about women like that, about African-Americans, about Muslims, about Hispanics, about Polish people, about Jews. Because once it becomes acceptable, when times turn tough, there'll be some evil people like a Donald Trump that will take advantage of that. So when he cries out in the group, when he's giving a speech to a huge crowd there, and there's an African-American, look, there's my African-American. Well, everyone there laughed and cheered because they got what he was saying. He was saying, well, oh, there's the African-American. And how often when you talk about another group do you kind of whisper? You know, that's so, it starts with us. It starts with us. It's not acceptable. Gender jokes, racial jokes, religious jokes, and hearing aid jokes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to get you. See, that's ageism, Jerry. You can't yeah. tell those jokes. I know. Oh my I God, we have a legitimate reason for this joke to never be told yeah. again. Don't count on it. Don't count um, on it. I want to get you to yeah. talk more yeah. about specifically the election. With now down to three or three plus weeks, almost four weeks at the most, and with the implications of what happened in the last few days and whether or not we're aiming for a close election for Hillary, close election for Trump, a landslide. I don't know which one's best for America, but what do you see in the crystal ball? Well, the last part is the easy answer. Trump losing is best for America. But understanding that these are podcasts, and most people listen to podcasts, it's like radio on demand, whenever they want to, so this could be a week or two dated by the time most people are listening to this. So the situation could change. But I am working on the assumption, and I will, be, I will eat crow the day after the election, barring some huge piece of news which we don't know anything about. Um, I don't think there's any possibility right now that – I don't see any way for Trump to win the election. So I think uh, Hillary Clinton will be our next president. If I'm wrong, I'll say I was wrong. But I, right now, I just don't see it. That aside – if you just accept that for the moment, that that's probably what's going to happen, I think it is in everyone's best interest, anyone who's an American, obviously anyone who's a Democrat, but I'll go further. Anyone who is a Republican, if you want to save your party over these next 10 years, you have to hope that Hillary wins by a landslide. Follow me with how I got to this. Well, okay, so Nixon loses to Kennedy in 1960 in a very close election. Two years later, Nixon, thinking that he wants to run against Kennedy because it was so close in 1964, runs for governor of California, thinking I'll get back into politics, I'll, I'll beat Brown, that's the current Jerry Brown's dad, 
He was uh, governor of California at the time. This is 1962. I'll be Brown for the race for governor. I'll be governor of California. I'm back in it. And then in 64, I can run against Kennedy for the reelection. But in a surprise of all surprises, he loses to Brown. And therefore, everyone's assuming Nixon's gone. You won't have me to kick around anymore, was the famous line. So now that gave an opening suddenly to the right wing of the Republican Party, the father of whom, at least in terms of elective politics, was Barry Goldwater. Suddenly, the right wing of the Republican Party had an opening. Nixon wasn't going to be there anymore. The right wing could take over the Republican Party and get the nomination in 1964. And they had what we are seeing now with Trump. Other than the issue being different, the dynamics are exactly the same. Goldwater had the fervor of the people to win the primaries. It was close, but finally the last primary, California, he beat Rockefeller. And Rockefeller was the symbol of the Republican establishment. You know, today it would have been Jeb Bush. So picture those people. You got Goldwater, who is Trump, although at least Trump had a political philosophy. So personally, he wasn't uh, Trump, but he was a right winger. So you had Goldwater with this group that was fanatical about him. And they loved Goldwater, among other things, because he voted against the Civil Rights Act. You know, he was going to have the Southern strategy. Uh, we weren't going to have any bussing as they said, and he wasn't afraid to use nuclear weapons. So the issue became, oh my God, you can't have a crazy person like Goldwater with his finger on the button. There was a famous television ad that only ran once, but it was a little girl picking daisies out in the field, and uh, all of a sudden a nuclear mushroom cloud goes off if Goldwater's president. Very effective ad, only ran once, but it's part of our history now. So there you had Goldwater, the right winger, running against, well, ultimately Johnson. But he beat back the Republican establishment. First, it was Eisenhower, the former president, who was saying, we can't have Goldwater. And then it was Rockefeller, and Rockefeller lost. And at the Democratic Convention in 1964, it's that famous picture of Nelson Rockefeller being booed by all the Goldwater delegates and giving the finger which back then was just unheard of, he gave the finger to the delegates at the convention. And there was Romney's father, who was governor of Michigan at the time, and then Scranton. They had all these, quote, respectable Republican that said it's the end of the party if we have Goldwater. At the top of the ticket, he will cause all of us to lose. It'll be a terrible landslide. The exact same language, I wish I had the quotes in front of me, that you are hearing now said by the Bushes, Romney, McCain, they're all saying he's going to take the whole ticket down. It's unconscionable. We can't have him. The result of 64, of course, was Lyndon Johnson won by the biggest landslide in history at that time. Eight years later, it would be uh, McGovern losing big. But back then, that was the biggest. Johnson just destroyed him. And that civil war within the Republican Party, which gave the nomination to Goldwater, destroyed the Republican Party. The only reason they came back is because the Democrats in 1968, 
wound up with their own civil war over Vietnam. And then Bobby Kennedy and McCarthy running against Johnson. So the Democrats split, and Nixon came back and won by a very little bit. But for that civil war within the Democratic Party, the Republican Party was gone. So now we are this year. If you are a Republican, if Hillary Clinton only wins by a bit, I promise you there will be such finger-pointing The Trump supporters will look at all the moderate Republicans and say, because of you, we lost. Because of you, we didn't get behind Trump. We could have won this election. It's you. We will never back one of your candidates. So four years from now, don't come to us with a moderate candidate and don't ask us to come out and vote for that moderate candidate. And the moderates will say, see what happened? You give us Trump, and we barely lost the election. We could have beat Hillary with any moderate, responsible Republican. That is what will happen if the election is close. The Republican Party will be destroyed for 10 years. They won't recover, not because anything great the Democrats would do, but because the Republican Party will be so divided, they will not be able to get behind one candidate, because one candidate will either be from the Tea Party or one candidate will be a moderate. Neither side will back the other. So, if you are an American, you certainly want this to be a landslide, because it'll be a statement to America and the whole world that we stand up against bigotry, misogyny, all the horrible things that this campaign has brought about, the way we treat minorities, the way we, you know, wouldn't it be great for America to stand up and say, particularly if Republicans and conservatives join and just say, this is beyond politics, this is the most immoral, unethical thing we can do to have Donald Trump be the leader of the free world and representative of the values of this country. So it'd be great for America to stand up and make that statement instead of the rest of the world laughing at us now. Secondly, obviously, it'd be great for Democrats because if she wins in a landslide, this could be the thing that breaks the back of the gridlock we have. If she wins by a landslide, all of a sudden it'll be very hard for the Republicans to stop her from governing because it'll have been a landslide election. Everyone running for re-election will be conscious of that. And so, therefore, we'll start to get the legislation that has been blocked for eight years. So it'll be good for Democrats and good for the country, for the agenda. And then, as I said, it's good for the Republicans. If you want to save your party, this better be a decisive election. Otherwise, you are living with a civil war within your party for the next decade. Yeah. Well, we're... We're unabashedly Democrats on this panel, the three of us, and we're strong Hillary Clinton supporters. So that's, to add to that, please, uh, registration, well, it depends on what state you're in. I think it depends on what you're in. There were a couple that extended it because of the hurricane. Yeah, Florida extended it. Florida did. I thought there were a couple others. But clearly vote. That's our message. Clearly vote. We're going to ask Red Cedars to come up here, our musical group. We're going to talk about them. They they have a great story, and they're very... uh, we're emotionally connected, and I'll explain. But, hey, uh, Megan, I know you're from England, and Jerry, you're from England, <laughs> because you speak English. I British. do speak England. <laughs> well, Absolutely. could you do it? It's gorgeous. I yeah. love it. Well, how, 
How can you have a better accent than me when I was really born there? Say that again. Hello, how are you? Very nice to see you. Very nice to be here again. Oh, I don't know. You know. <laughs> I'm doing Van Dyke again in Mary Poppins. Poorly. Yeah, yeah. Very poorly. Yes, and yes. he was not good in that. No. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Don't you? That is my favorite movie of all time. Do not ruin it for me. You are a lonely woman. <laughs> I know. That is your favorite movie of Absolutely all time. Absolutely. Better than Sound of Music? I don't like the Sound of Music. You don't? Oh, I don't. Oh, <laughs> you are un Austrian. <laughs> I don't like the sound of music at all, no. Oh, when she comes over the mountain. I, I like Julie Andrews. Oh, he goes all along. See? That sucks. And now you just made hey, it Hey, the reason worse. I brought it up, as I you know, it 25 times. We're, I believe That's you. God's truth. We're a herd in England. Oh, yeah, we're that's on right. A, we're on an English yes. station. It's talk radio, right, Jerry, yes. in London. And there is a family that listens to this podcast, the Beat family, B-E-E-T. Beat. Father's name is Lee. And so we wanted to uh, say hello to them. And Megan and I, because you're British, I thought maybe it'd be nice for you just to say hello. <laughs> we still speak English, to the though, family. in England. Oh, they're and we're so very they're glad they're listening. Huh? Hi, they're listening family. right now. Oh, this that's isn't a so joke. Cool. Not oh. a joke. Well, hi. How I are actually you? thought it was a setup, too. So, no, hi, family. Yeah. No. I can't trust anything you say. He's your best friend. Okay, so <laughs> uh, let's say hello and give a round of applause to the Red Cedars. And before we ask them to do their first song, we're going to ask, uh, well, first of all, it's Dinah DeVoto, Patrick Who, also Patrick Kennedy, but he goes by Patrick Who. But here's the significance of the Red Cedars. About 75 episodes when we started this podcast, we asked the Red Cedars, specifically Patrick, who had a song that I heard that is such a cool song, and I said to Jerry and Megan... How about if we use this at the opening of every show? So the song you hear at the beginning of every Jerry Springer podcast, it never plays out, so you never get to really hear the whole song. I interrupt And we've asked them tonight, I think you can do it as your second song? Correct. It's a wonderful song with a great message. Uh, Dino, uh, you wrote this song here. Tell us what it is, and Jerry Springer is going to help you yes, with some he, of the instru instrumental. Play the rain stick, if that's what Play you the rain stick. Play the rain stick. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to sound like a snake. Well, this is a, a song I wrote after reading a book um, about snake handling down in, in uh, like, Kentucky and Tennessee. And Dinah, hold on a second. Uh, is that your phone? Gene, you got a phone call. You know whose phone this is? It's mine. It's your phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you? I've been looking for it. Because I was talking to Mickey when she was giving her oh. directions to park here. Oh, shut <laughs> up. Shut it off. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that Diana. wasn't planned? <laughs> he was literally it's, just looking it's, for it. I was looking for Hold it. Hold one second. It's Jerry, Katie. you want to take the call here? I'll call you right back. <laughs> oh, okay. That's his daughter, Katie. A song about snake yeah, handling. Yeah, it's about snake handling down in, in uh, Kentucky. And, Which is and a sort of a church thing. It's a church thing, okay. yeah. So this is almost like a little book, book report, sort of. Excellent. The way I wrote the song um, is the highlights of what I thought was interesting. The book is uh, Salvation on Sand Mountain, I think, by Dennis Covington. So um, here we go. All right. Pumpkin Brown's got a date with a cane break rattlesnake. Ooh, Christian voodoo. Sand Mountain doesn't have much cloud cause they worship with the cotton mouth. Ooh, Christian voodoo. 
That's a great song, Christian Voodoo by uh, Dinah DeVoto. That's very cool. Uh, Patrick, talk to us for a second before you do the second song. It's called Mountain That Eats Men. Correct. And it came from your seeing a PBS show. Is that what it was? Or I, I, I heard an NPR, NPR. Uh, uh, radio uh, article, and it was uh, about a mountain in Bolivia that has been mined for like 300 years for silver. And it's gotten so bad that people are dying every day that the descendants of the slaves who started it are doing it now. And uh, that's what they call. And, the and when you so. hear this song, because and they're going to do it. And like I say, it opens our podcast. 
it sounds a whole lot like a song that might come out of West Virginia or the correct cold uh, country of, yeah, of Kentucky. I wrote it actually for a project here locally to raise awareness for mountaintop removal. Wow. And then uh, I right. saw that article and just uh, it occurred to me the human cost that happens with mining. Too. Very interesting. Red Cedars, Mountain That Eats Men. That's a really good song. Oh, that's, that's a, a really good song. Inspired yeah. by mining tragedies in Bolivia, but that song is all Appalachia. There is no question yeah. about it. And, and you're fr- where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from near Owensboro, Kentucky. Perfect. A little town yeah. called Whitesville. Whitesville. Shout out to Whitesville. And both your dad and grandpa were coal miners at one point. You know. um, yeah, well, actually on a, their own 
coal mine on their own farm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great song, and uh, we, we love using it, and we thank you for writing it. And yeah. we want to ask the Red Cedars to take us out on Irene Goodnight, and Jerry Springer uh, is full Appalachian tonight, so he's going to sing the second so verse. It's going to be quite unbelievable. Yeehaw. Last Saturday night I got married. Me and my wife settled down. Now me and my wife have parted. I think I go Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Yeah.